lunch I eat a sandwich with a glass of Coke to roll. No one can see you drinking when you're working from home. I still produce reports in a professional font. But now when I have downtime, I can do what I want. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber, the podcast that just watched Elon Musk pay $43 billion for Twitter while we just downloaded it for free. And my name is Larry Wu. And I'm Curtis Weathers. Yeah, I mean, for a guy who's supposed to be so smart, not a great use of, not a great use of, uh, of, of, of money for Elon Musk there. Yeah, you know, you just download it, give away some information, make up some funny handle, and you're off yeah. to the races, and you can be as toxic as you'd like to be. That's <laughs> Especially right. That's in his right. his Twitter world, right, Curtis? Because he's what, what's the what's the phrase that they've been coining him? Is he like a, a free speech absolutist? Is that what they've been? Yeah, something something silly something. like that. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, I guess he just he wants to take all the regulations that uh, that have been put in place in um, in Twitter um, to try to combat some of the toxicity that the platform like that kind of you know anonymous and instant and stuff like that can can uh can foster and he just wants to do away with all that stuff um because he's a uh, free a free speech absolutist or whatever it is well i i like how the people uh in in, in some some media that still have donald trump derangement syndrome like the the question is oh will he let donald back onto twitter uh and i got a quote uh from from the don mold uh basically saying he doesn't want to go back because he's got his own right yeah yeah he does that with truth or whatever it's called the one that no one can seem to get onto that's right that's right you never hear about that anymore oh yeah like because it's it's when it's when you remember when Google tried that tried when Facebook came out and Google wanted to do Google Social. Yes, I do. And that's the that, problem. Yeah. Like social media has one more most important thing. It's it's social. If you don't have the masses moving to it, it's like mm-hmm. you know you're back. You know, doing uh, MySpace, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You need to have like uh, you need to have a big. Uh, a big uptake, right? Like people yeah. need to, people need to, people need to feel like they're hanging out virtually. Well, 43 billion is not chump change, especially for a company that hasn't really made much money. And another thing, one of the things that, that I think um, Elon is, is, is claims to be concerned about is that, uh, is that Twitter, he, he believes Twitter is beholden to advertisers. And then, so if ad advertise so ad, if advertisers can say, you know, I don't want my ads next to some something from, um, you know, Newsmax or Ontario Proud or 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 even like a or even like a radical left sort of thing, then then you know, Twitter will Twitter will make moves to to curb those voices because. You know they want to keep the they want to keep the advertisers. You know how there's always like the there's always like the the promoted tweets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's that's the revenue base. So I guess for 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 Musk, his thing is like he's gonna fund it, and then they're not gonna be as beholden to advertisers, and then you don't have to worry about losing 
you know, an advertising contract because of content. But the thing is, like a lot of the the advertisers, like it's pretty reasonable what they sort of drew the line at as far as decency when it came to something <laughs> that they're that, like they didn't want they like gm didn't want like something about the new you know their new truck next to alex jones saying that the sandy hook school shooting was a false flag <laughs> like any any company it doesn't want that juxtaposition no 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 or it could be way worse right yeah. Just from how toxic uh, Twitter can be, and then yeah, know. oh yeah, I was I was I was offer I was offering a more pal- palatable comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad you were able to restrain yourself, Curtis. <laughs> it's 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 something I took off the sheet because I thought, oh man, that's even lowbrow for us. Was the the tweet that went out because I can't unhear it now or unread it is the 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 Snickers thing. Someone someone did a, a Snickers uh, falsified. Uh, image basically f- trying to say that oh Snickers is removing the the ridges on the top of the chocolate bar and the guy made the correlation that it looked like a human phallus like a vein of a human phallus so now that oh, I kind okay. of said it yeah and then people freaked out and Snickers had to say no no don't worry and like they they, they were in on the joke and they basically said oh no yeah. the vein is still there <laughs> and I was just like oh man what what is I know exactly on? what you're talking about with that vein, <laughs> and I never really, I never uh, put two and two together um, as far as the comparison that you just illustrated. Uh, but now, yeah, it's kind of hard to unsee that. <laughs> Sorry, and here I have said, oh, I'm gonna take it off the sheets because I don't want, I don't want everyone else to unsee, try try to unsee this now that I've ruined it for everyone. Okay. It's tough. It's tough because, like you know, that, that looks like a vein, and then eat more. <laughs> eat more looks like a turd. I guess I'm just going to be eating more Big Turk. Yeah, like I, oh, good call. Let, let's let's get off Elon because he, you know, he is who he is. But there's someone else more local to Toronto, and I, I want to talk about this guy. He opened up a new cafe in Toronto, which, just like a dispensary in Toronto, like you you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a, a coffee shop right like a some kind of bespoke coffee shop but this guy has his own unique twist because his is proudly anti-capitalist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i sent this article to you i think uh, this uh, sent this this coffee shop to you on the weekend because i said let this one stew because i i for the longest time i was sitting there going okay so you're an anti-capitalist cafe so you're still selling coffee though i believe for some coffees it's like pay what you can or pay what you but digging deeper into this guy it's just basically he's just he's just a very radical let's just say left-wing dude who wants to infuse his politics and his worldview into his coffee shop for whatever reason mm-hmm. now some yeah. of it is some of it is is very good like he's talking about paying his workers if he had a worker because currently he's still the only employee like a fair wage and everything you know get away from the man you're not working for the man we're, we're we have a co-op here i just want a coffee curtis i i don't need i i don't really need this do i like, should I be consuming this as well as my coffee? I don't know. It, it first of all, it's I don't I don't know 
if it's really an anarchist coffee shop. It's very oh, much yeah, sorry, sorry, yes, that, that, and, Thank you, thank you for that's yeah. what the coffee shop is called. But he is yeah. an anti-capitalist. It, the coffee shop is actually called the Anarchist Cafe, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so there's no. I don't think there's any real anarchy going on in in any coffee shop, um, and this one is no exception. Um, you know, and and he's anti-capitalist, but clearly, like you're still participating in capitalism if you have a business. I mean, I think what his his sort of ideas is, you know. Trying, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, get away from some of capitalism's less savory points, where like the bottom line is number one. Like I, I think like you know, worker empowerment and you know, fair price points and paying fair, you know, and 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 like and like you know, paying a fair price for your products and all that kind of stuff is great. And I think you can do that though in just a regular coffee shop. Like you can do it in a regular coffee shop and and then just, you know, if somebody asks, they then just say, yep, this is this is how we do it. And not like kind of pat yourself on the back about it too much. Right. Like, like pat yourself on the back every day about it. <laughs> I think I think that's the part that bugs me is I, 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 I like the idea of, yeah, pay my workers a fair wage if my bottom line isn't as high as it was last year the gut reaction is not to cut staff or cut their benefits. You know, it's just fine. We had a bad year. Let's, you know, regroup and go team or, Hey, we did as good as last year. Great. Uh, but you're right. I, I, I can do without the smugness. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of smug. Um, I mean, he's right about some stuff like, um, it's kind of a, it's, it's miserable in a lot of these, um, you know, let's take a let's take coffee shops as an example. It can be miserable for the employees because you know that they, they, they feel they feel obligated to be you know super competitive. Um, you know because because they're expendable, and you know we were talking a bit before the 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 show about how you know like if there's if there's a market loss at one of these companies like. They just take it out of the hides of the workers, right? Like the shareholders always will always get the same amount. Somebody else has to make up the shortfall. And I think like that's an aspect of capitalism that this guy's against. I don't know if you can be against a market system entirely if you're participating in it, but like certainly, you know, I think, I think some of his proposed reforms are interesting, Mm -hmm. but if he doesn't have any employees, like, like, you know, you're not you're not necessarily you're you're not being tested, right? You're not being tested by market forces, so it's yeah. easy to say, "Oh yeah, you know, I will, I'll, you know, that this will be this will be the the the, the um, you know, our our charter, our char- the charter of our company will be like, you know, employees will be empowered to do this, employees will get a fair wage and stuff like that. But if you don't have any, and you're not like you know forced to to sort of deal with you know, the realities of, 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 of having employees and the complications that that entails. And I don't know, it's, it's easy to say that kind of stuff, harder to put in practice, but I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that he can't do it. Maybe he can. Yeah. Let's swing to the other side of the pendulum. Uh, Curtis, I just added this to the sheet. 
Uh, and this is almost the opposite of our friend the at the Anarchist Coffee Shop. This is, is are they vegetarian? I think it's like fresh food, raw food, freshy chain. Yeah, yeah. You can get you can get meat meat stuff, but like yeah, they're very 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 salad and wrap oriented type of business. So you want to talk about exploiting the workers, like in uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail, and Dennis? They are introducing Percy, the virtual cashier, which is outsourcing clerical, like front customer facing position to South America. So basically, you're having a Zoom call with some poor kid in Nicaragua who's getting paid $3.50 while he or she just taking your order so that you have a more personalized experience, Curtis, because you can't, you don't want to hire a local Toronto kid or adult or someone that job to welcome you and punch in your food order. I, I saw this um, earlier in the week and uh, was very surprised by it. Like I know that, you know, self checkouts and, you know, shoppers, drug mart and some grocery stores have been a thing for a while. This is kind of taking it to a, to a new, a new, a new extreme. Oh my God. Like, like, let's just hope they're still working within the reasonability of the time zone. Like, could you imagine if this kid was like in the Philippines and like you're ordering something at two in the afternoon and it's like, what, three in the morning there or whatever time? I, I think that that's the part that bothered me. It was like, you're right. Self-checkouts were bad enough because then you're just like, oh, the, there's no longer workers doing that position it's not like they got put somewhere else to do another job they're just gone but now you're like almost like a slap in the face to those people by saying oh just have this zoom call with this person in a third world country that we can pay next to nothing to take your order for your bean salad yeah like they they pat themselves on the back here and and, you know say unlike a kiosk or pre-ordering app which removes human jobs entirely Percy allows for the face-to-face customer experience. You know, it's uh, it's not that's not it. You know, like it's still you're 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 basically you're basically outsourcing. You know, jobs that yeah, like you know, who's gonna be the who's gonna be the first drunken dude to punch Percy in the face on the screen? <laughs> hey, you know that's gonna happen. Yeah, but at least yeah, the person's sure. safe. At least the person's safe, though. You know, like it's bad enough. A lot of us spend our our days on Zoom. I think mm. I think I'd be pretty ticked off if I went to like like Burger King. Like when we went to Burger King a few episodes back, mm-hmm. and I was talking to someone on a screen while I was in Burger King. Yeah, I just think the optics of this are terrible. Oh, horrible. Like, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I, I like how they're trying to save face by like by like touting about how how much more how how much more employee forward they are than than using a kiosk. But you're still you're still eliminating eliminating sort of jobs in in Canada or in you know whatever, and and exp- and at the same time exploiting someone from a from another from another country. And 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 couldn't they pick a more appropriate name than percy (laughs) this is this is some person in nicaragua and you're calling them percy the only one i know is percy is um uh remember the uh the undertaker's manager uh paul bearer i think his real name was percy 
Yeah, well, he was he, Percy Pringle was another one of his characters. No, but I think that was actually his real first name. Was it, was like, it Percy? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Can't, I can't remember. Paul Bearer, what a great character. <laughs> oh, I, I, if I had Paul Bearer taking my order at Freshie for my Buddha bowl or chickpea sandwich, I think I'd be okay with that because then I'd get to talk to the celebrity. Yeah. Right? For sure, for sure. Well, it would be Uncanny Valley because Paul Bear is no longer with us. But oh, that's right. It's it's kind of like that episode of The Simpsons. Remember when um, who who was it? The boxer that was uh, working at Burns's Casino and kept bugging Barney, Dredrick Tatum. Yeah, <laughs> and it kept bugging him for his order or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. So oh wait, no, that was when um, that was when uh, Jer- Jerry Cooney. Uh, oh right, yeah, that's right. Jerry Cooney, and then and then Barney punched him out. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, it is. And that, that is exactly though. You're right. That is exactly the other uh, end of the spectrum to the uh, to the anarchist coffee shop. If you if, if the anarchist coffee shop in, installs a Percy cashier, then you'll know that that guy was just full of shit. Oh, God, I, I want the anarchist cafe guy to go to per, to go to Freshie just to order through Percy order through Percy to a Freshie and, and just get into a, a heated conversation with Percy. Yeah. You Could need happen. to do better. Yeah. Free their shackles. It'll be in the next blog to you. Oh, maybe. Something that, uh, again, food, maybe services related. Maybe this is a kind of in-between story between the two uh, spectrums that we talked about. Um, an old stomping ground spot. I know you frequented, Curtis. Uh, Bistro 422 or is it 422 Bistro? Is it Bistro 422, right? Yeah, Bistro 422, yeah. And I, I, I sent you a photo because I was just in the neighborhood of their uh, alcohol menu. Mm-hmm. And I swear, inflation never hit this place in over 20 years because I thought this was as cheap as it, things were. Because I remember the famous thing that Bistro 422 did was they did pictures of mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. And I do remember going there and sharing a picture with you and, and Benson uh, of gin and tonic. <laughs> Like which which was kind of blowing my mind that we were sitting there drinking a gin, <laughs> like pouring it out of this pitcher. That's right. But but yeah, thirty two ounce mini drink pitcher. So you got four ounces of alcohol in this thirty two ounce pitcher. You can get a Bloody Mary, Caesar screwdriver, Killer Kool Aid, a Moscow Mule, and any bar rail cocktail for only fourteen dollars and sixteen cents, Curtis. And then you reminded me that it was at one point in time much cheaper than this, but I thought even at fourteen dollars and sixteen cents, that's pretty fair. It's pretty good. Around two thousand, two thousand one, so a long time ago, but uh, they were like eight ninety nine for those. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> for those. those how, are, how are you not an alcoholic? <laughs> Who's to say I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. We used to go to this place all the time. It was just like this basement. It was like in the like the That's lower right. floor. This building. Yeah, you had to go down these stairs, and then um, yeah, everything was cheap. I just remember like I would get the chicken cordon bleu, and it would come with tater tots. So like and like that. It was clearly clearly they were j- just stuff from the frozen food aisle, but it was cheap, cheap as anything. But like even today. So there, you know, inflation, like anything, you know, Bistro 422 is not immune, but like, um, still you can get, you can get a pitch or you can get a pint of their house lager 
for less than five dollars. Like the five dollar pint is is like it's 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 like a unicorn these days. Like it's really hard to find a five dollar pint and yeah. a sub five dollar pint. Forget about it. Uh huh. You can get fifty, right? I, I see that on the menu. See, it, yeah. it would have won points for me if it had. Um, no, I'd have well, to look well, it up. Well, Molson uh, Molson Stock Ale. That's right, Molson Stock Ale. Like I, I would have been more impressed if they actually had that there for five bucks. You gotta go. You yeah. You can only get that at hipster bars now. Oh, are they popular again? You have to go to the to like the communist daughter or one of those kind of places. You can get you can get a stock ale. So so would the communist daughter be also be anti anti capitalist? Um, I guess by its very name, <laughs> you'd think. The communist daughter. I haven't been there in a long time, but it has like an excellent jukebox. If you're ever, I don't, and I don't know, I don't know if if jukebox if juke jukeboxes count as capitalism. I assume they do because you, you pay money for. It. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's an excellent jukebox. Like it's it's got the and and the only other jukebox in the city I remember liking as much was a, was the jukebox at the at the Duke of Gloucester. Do you, have, you, have you ever been to the Duke of Gloucester? It's like it's like right across from the old Scientology building on Young <laughs> Street, and it had like a really cool jukebox that was all like punk and new wave and stuff. But whereas the Communist Daughter, I think like. Uh, really, really curated because there's a sort of like similar type of stuff, but I think they really cur- curated it. The Duke of Gloucester, I think, just didn't update it past 1982. And I think that's why it's so awesome. I, I, I'm surprised the vinyl didn't wear out. Yeah, I know. So, so getting back to the Bistro 422 menu, so a double shot bar rail drink is 885. Mm hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and uh, and if I remember correctly, like the people who worked there were, uh, you know, they 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 they, were, they weren't like they weren't like measuring with their fingers. <laughs> they're they're just heavy pour, just yeah. casual pour. Yeah, yeah, well, Ca- very casual pour. So there's two more things I want to point out about the bistro's uh, menu. Uh, one, the thing that has. The one, the two drinks that have the worst value happens to be soft drinks and bottled water, which I do have a follow-up soft drink story on this for two dollars. Like mm-hmm. compared to everything else, you might as well drink alcohol. <laughs> and another thing about this is they sell a sixty-ounce sangria pitcher, but that's not the weird part. The weird part I brought up with you is on the bottom of it, it said red or white. Like, mm-hmm. is it is it really sangria if you make it with white wine? I can't say for sure. I but I've never seen it before. No, I thought it was the whole nature of it was you know the fruit and the red wine. Not gluten. yeah. Maybe there's maybe 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 there's like a white wine sangria that's popular in other parts maybe, of maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the weekend thing. This if the weekend if the weather's really great uh you and heather should make white wine sangrias white wine sangrias yep yeah just the same recipe just just grab your pinot grigio instead of whatever cheap red wine yeah throw in throw 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 in like a a gewurstermeiner or one of those kind of (laughs) white wines and make a sangria out of it 
So uh, I, I was mentioning earlier about the bistro with the, with the soft drinks being expensive. This Monday, I believe, I think it was back on April 23rd, in 1985, New Coke was introduced to the world, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the production of the original formulation ended later that week. So New Coke was basically the only Coca-Cola that you could you could get, mm-hmm. uh, which was huge, right? Because what? Uh, Coke's been around since World War II, right? Like that formula hasn't changed, dare change, but uh, Coke at the time in the in the mid-'80s um, their market share, and this is hard to believe when I was doing a little bit of research about this, I, their market share was really low. Like that made them force their hand. Like it was almost below 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were fighting it out with, I guess, you know, the likes of Tab because I think di- diet colas were really in in the mid 80s. Uh, obviously, Pepsi with Michael Jackson, right? He was, they were pushing it hard. Yeah, and all the Pepsi product placement in the Back to the Future movies. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think they were trying to make it sound like Pepsi was what the young hip kids were drinking, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and Coke is what. And and the funny thing is, they you know Coke is what your 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 parents drink, and and who does who do they get to do, be the spokesperson for New Coke? Oh, America's Dad, Bill Cosby. That's right. With Coke is it? As Coke their, is it. Yes, that was a big, that was the the big slogan, I remember. Um, Yeah, I can remember being super excited about this, like, like when they were announced. And I always liked Coke, like when I, I don't really drink cola anymore, but I used to drink it like I, I was, I was for years and years and years, I was really into it. Um, And so around this time, I would have been what, like. 12 tw- yeah. yeah I was 12 years old and I was drinking coke at a prodigious rate and uh so I was pretty I was pretty excited like I knew You're some a super of my user friend- <laughs> I was a super user <laughs> <laughs> I know some of my friends were like a little like like uh, uh, viewed the news with some trepidation and I was like no man that's awesome it's gonna be so good and kind of like when we went to see the phantom menace for the first time I convinced mm-hmm. myself that I liked it. Um, new Coke. New Coke. I convinced myself that I liked it. And, yeah. uh, and, then I, and then I remember like, you know, once, once that sort of like brainwashing effect wore off and I realized I didn't really like it at all. Uh, <laughs> we were in the States one time for it. And I guess like, like we went to the store and and they had and it wasn't Coca-Cola Classic. They hadn't come out, out with that yet. Mm-hmm. They just had all this all this original recipe Coke in their fridge. So it would have been even old. Hmm. And 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 like my brother and I bought like, you know, as as much as our parents would would allow <laughs> and just like drank drank the uh, and it tasted so good. Just to be able now, to now, drink like the old recipe. The the only memory I have of New Coke, you know, besides you know the commercials and it was a big thing, you know, I, I remember having it. And I again, this is like just very weak memories. It tasted a lot more like Pepsi. Yes, it was sweeter. Right? Like, like, am I? Am I? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not incorrect to say that 
uh, you know, it, it, it was quote unquote sweeter, right? Like it had mm-hmm. a, it did have a more Pepsi taste to it. Like, like the difference between Coke and Pepsi today, like if you were to drink it, you would know, you could tell, yeah, this is Coke. But I think as, as I can remember when I was a kid thinking, oh, the, the, the lines are getting really blurred now. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, Definitely. so there was huge backlash, right? Huge, huge backlash in the afternoon of july 11th so how many months is that curtis <laughs> so may june so it lasted three months coca-cola announced the return of the original formula yeah so they so they existed alongside each other for a while it was coca-cola classic was the original formula and then coke was its new formula so it was still still called coke yeah um, and then they, then they, then you knew it was in, on its deathbed, just grasping, gasping its last when Coca-Cola Classic was rebranded to Coke, and then that new Coke was rebranded Coke Two. <laughs> Lasted like almost zero amount of time, and then yeah. it was gone for good. Did they call it Coke Classic for a while? Is that is that yeah what Coke Classic? That's what they okay. called the original formula. But, but yeah. I love I love I love the, the this thing here because it was like seventy. There were seventy nine days that after New Coke's introduction, like Peter Jennings, like ABC News, interrupted General Hospital for a special bulletin to share with the viewers that Coke is like Coke is going back to the original formula. Yeah. You know what? It turned it turned out to be genius, right? Because because like, well, I, and I think I think that that's that's people thought it was like a conspiracy. How quickly they were able to pivot, and they did this on purpose. And there was yeah. actually a quote from the president at that point in time of Coke saying, "We're neither that dumb nor that smart." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Peter Jennings coming on on General Hospital. Hey, we got a big news report. Could you imagine if this happened in England and they interrupted Coronation Street? Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't fly. To say that 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 they've reformulated uh, Tizer or or Iron Brew. Uh, when they re reintroduced Coke Classic, didn't they bring in Max Headroom as like because they had to get rid of Cosby? Right, Cosby was too associated with. Like Cosby couldn't take back what he was talking yeah. about. Could you do you remember when that was when that was Cosby's only controversy was that he was too close to New Coke? Oh God, that was <laughs> that was a better that was a better time for him. Yeah, Max Headroom, that's right. Uh, catch was was he like catch the wave? Catch the wave? Something like catch that. the wave? Yeah. Uh, let's debunk some conspiracy theories because that's that's what we do here about New Coke. Now, I, I thought some of these conspiracy theories were actually true, but apparently these have been debunked and are incorrect. So the first one was what you just mentioned earlier about, isn't this genius, how they mm-hmm. did all of this and pivoted. So one of the conspiracy theories is that the company intentionally changed the formula, hoping consumers would be upset and then demand the original formula to return, which would then cause sales to spike and skyrocket, right? But the president did say, and I quote, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) The second conspiracy theory that was uh, debunked, the use of uh, high fructose corn syrup. Because it was this conspiracy theory that, oh, originally Coke was made with 
cane sugar. They introduced new Coke. And when they went to Coke Classic, they went completely with um, corn. Mm. Uh, but apparently that is untrue because they started using um, sweetener with uh, high fructose corn syrup probably by as early as the 80s. They started replacing it. So it was almost like, yeah, we, we, we know we're doing this, but we're not going to say anything because people probably couldn't tell the difference. So now there is cane sugar Coke somewhere out there once in a while. And I think if you get um, Coke that is sold in and around Passover, but no, otherwise you're drinking corn. <laughs> <laughs> the other conspiracy theory was it was the final removal of uh, Coca in there, the Coca derivative that was once in there, I guess, back in the World War II and saying that this was a way to eradicate the cocaine trafficking thing in the States, right? Because that was a big thing, like, don't do drugs during that time. Was that was that during the Reagan, was it the Nancy Reagan thing that she introduced? Uh, yeah, yeah. In the, the, the sort of early to mid 80s, very much the war on drugs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was one of the conspiracy theories that, you know, it was finally changing the formula to remove whatever remnants of coke was in it yeah yeah do do you still do you drink a lot of coke right now no i i i drank like i wasn't kidding when i said i drank a lot of it like i can remember like when i lived uh, like in late high school and i lived in the basement I, i moved to the basement of our house and we had a cold cellar down there and we always had had coke or PC cola, some kind of cola at least, um, in the cold cellar. And I would get up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep unless I had one. So think about that. Think about think about like getting up in the middle of the night, not being able to go back to sleep until you have a Coke. Quite possibly <laughs> the worst beverage you can have if your goal is to get to sleep because <laughs> if it's not the caffeine that gets you it's the it's the the what 40 grams of sugar that's in a yeah. can of coke yeah yeah so that's i mean that at that point you have a problem you know like you're just drinking way too much and that would be like and that and that wasn't my only can of of the day like my midnight can or whatever oh, no, i was no. drinking it all day um yeah and then and then when i got to carlton i just stopped i said like i'm just drinking way too much of this and and i and you know beer kind of took over at that time right so Mm. you know yeah i i went through a phase where i was drinking probably in my 20s like after carlton where i was just drinking way too much coke or pop in general and then I, I I sat down and I kind of thought about how much am I actually consuming? And I realized, oh, I'd have one at lunch. I'd probably buy another one at the vending machine at around two or three in the afternoon. And then I'd have one at night maybe with dinner. So then I started thinking about it and was like, man, I'm like drinking almost a liter of pop every day, mm-hmm. like during the weekday. And then weekends, who knows what I was drinking. So then I was, I, and then that's when I went, oh, I think I went for a year where I just kind of tried cutting it out and yeah, much better for it. I, I, I do stock a, a bit of Coke here, but I buy the super mini cans because I figured that's all one should really consume. Yeah. 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 Once I got those mini cans, like 
We like we don't drink a lot of pop here, but we do drink ginger ale sometimes. Yeah, and uh, the mini cans are great, right? Like, yeah, mini cans are great. Yeah, it's the way to go. It's 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 really that's that's all one would need. Mm -hmm. Uh, and pop is actually on the list of something I want to talk about quickly. You know, you know, it's I think it's we should call April uh, our food month episode because we seem to be coming back to this now that um, restrictions are easing for traveling. Curtis here in Canada, I thought I'd talk about. Seven foods that you should never buy at the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, so pack a snack whenever you can um, or keep it uh, maybe prepackaged, like have your Snickers with the vein. Apparently the vein is still there. <laughs> but apparently, okay, so pop is one. You should try to, you know, cut down on the, the, the pop, obviously. But this list apparently says you should cut down on going to the salad bar at the airport. Who goes to a salad bar at the airport? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have, I've, I have, I have, uh, I don't think I ever have. Well, that's obviously a, a big thing, right? You know, you don't know if it's washed well and you just, it's just this open pit. <laughs> right. And you're just scooping whatever. So yeah, you know, salad bars might be somewhat, you might think you're doing something healthy, but you know, a healthy dose of E. coli is not a good thing to have either. Yeah, uh, I think I next, think that's true of any salad bar, though, isn't it? Right? Like, oh, I, I I think so. I yeah. Any anything anything that requires a sneeze guard, <laughs> you, you should just generally steer clear of. Yeah. The next thing is something that we probably all have every day is a massive coffee. Mm-hmm. So it might be something that you crave in your early morning flight. But uh, these people suggest holding off uh, because it will send you to the bathroom in a rush. Um, and it's, it, I guess, because of the altitude, it actually makes you go even faster or the, the feeling of needing to go to the bathroom is much greater than, I guess, at uh, sea level. Um, yeah, could be, could be. I, I, do know, I do know that I have, I've done this. Um, you know, drink, drink, drink like a big Starbucks or even two big Starbucks while I'm waiting for my flight. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, it is potentially dangerous um, uh, for the for that very reason. It's you know, yeah, no. And then you have to line up, and there's always some straggler in it. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Salty French fries and pretzels. So I guess the salty food along with drinking and then being on an altitude, it's just apparently it, it bloats you really badly. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, <clears throat> I've been guilty of this one as well. Um, it's the nuts, right? They, 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 they give you packages of salty nuts, right? They do. They do. But I also, I'm also, I think I've said it on the show before, a big A&W fan. Uh-huh. So I always like to go to the A&W at the, uh, at, at at Pearson before before I take off, um, I can't. Remember, I don't know if I've had a problem with it before. Like the coffee, for sure. Uh, you know, I've 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 regretted drinking like too much coffee before getting on a flight. But I don't know about salty stuff. Yeah. Well, then the other side of the pe- pendulum, they talk about avoiding high sugar yogurts. Maybe even mm. a Froger, Curtis. Hmm. You know, for the high sugar content, again, that being the reason, but uh, 
if you're having a Froger, it might contain potassium benzenite, right? Even yeah, it, it, it might be, be cursed. <laughs> this next one that I see on this list. Yeah. Cocktails. Yep. Alcohol. Eh? Yep. Especially if you're on a Sunwing flight. <laughs> things, things don't go well. It says it says right here, having a, a beer or a glass of wine in a cocktail at the airport before flight is a rite of passage for many travelers. I am one of those travelers. If it's not if it's not too early and I'm drinking coffee instead, like if it's like at a reasonable yeah. time. Exactly. Uh, the um, next- and, and and I think like the the you know the the sort of uh, cautions that they have here are legitimate and you know you you can definitely you feel lightheaded at the best of times if you have a couple of couple of pints and then and then mix that with some altitude no it's 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 just bad news alcohol and, and altitude it's just it's bad news uh the next thing on here is deli meats that's just generally a good idea to stay away from deli meats in general isn't it yeah Says it's, it lists fermented or dry sausages amongst amongst the things you should be avoiding. Yeah, you know because they have to be heated to a specific temperature. Anytime the CDC is warning you not to eat something, I, I'd say yeah. Why don't, why don't you take that <laughs> under caution? And of course, the last thing you should avoid eating at an airport is uh, sushi. Hmm. So I think it's just. The raw, uncooked, just try to avoid any raw, uncooked food from anywhere. Because airport, yeah. This... Unless you go to uh, the Heston Blumenthal restaurant in uh, in Heathrow. Oh, but I, I think that's a little different when you go into a prop, like one of those proper restaurants in a in an airport i think you're you're, you're just talking about you're talking about the i think what you're talking about is the kind of kiosk that has all seven of these items in it that's right in 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 walking not even walking distance like within spitting distance yeah like it's yeah it's it's by the gate and you just need to grab something quick and it's served in this lovely clamshell plastic container yeah 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 yeah, because now, now of course, like some of the bigger uh, international airports have like, you know, name brand chef restaurants and stuff like that. I think there's a Caesar Lee restaurant at, at Pearson. Yeah. Other restaurants were crying foul, right? Because those restaurants were allowed to open at, were allowed to open, I think, during heavy parts of the lockdown because I guess they were considered like a food stand or whatever, but they were allowed to open in the airport. So I think they were crying mm. foul there. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, a- another thing I wanted to kind of mention before we move on to the headlines. Uh, another birthday is actually today, I believe. Today is the birthday of Morse code, Curtis. Oh, man, I never miss it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how, how much it's still being used today, but, you know, Morse code. So uh, some weird Morse code trivia I want to bring up. So SOS for Morse code. Let's drop the conspiracy you people think it's called save our ship was that was that one of the original sos acronyms that people thought that's what it meant that, yeah Par- so, apparently yeah. that's 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 not the case i i i again i should have wrote it down but it slipped my mind but there's a there's, it's not actually for that but sos has a, a special place in morse code because apparently it's the fastest thing that you can type out in three letters 
SOS is that that was the reason why it was selected as kind of like an emergency uh, call out. Hmm. So there you Interesting. go. And if you listen to London Calling by The Clash, that's the actual Morse code being played like right at the end of the song. If you if you know the song well enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 hear SOS being played. Right. And yeah, if yeah. you're a total geek, <laughs> and I'd like to think that both of us are on the show, Russia's YYZ. Right, the the opening guitar riff is YYZ in Morse code. Oh wow! I never knew that. That is that is that is a very rush thing to do. Uh, <laughs> oh god, it's totally <laughs> a rush thing to do. Yeah, that's excellent. So you know, get ready for your next musical trivia, Curtis. It might come up. On to the headlines. A new epidemic is raging through Springfield, and this one didn't start with Krusty Burger's Whatchamacarcus sandwich. Okay, so the big headline in Toronto right now, if you went to the school, maybe you're outraged, maybe you're like okay with it. But uh, Ryerson finally went through with its name change, and from this point onward, Curtis, it will be forever be known as... Toronto Metropolitan University. Really? Like, not come to be confused on, with the University of Toronto. <laughs> oh my God! Do you think? Do, do you think U of T, like the Board of Governors or the the inner sanctum of U of T, when they heard this, they were just shaking their heads? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, pe- people have been dunking on it all, all like the last couple of days. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no, that, that's that's a, that's a given. See, um, now the first thing you and I both went to the same university. Um, there didn't really need uh, uh, another name to be made fun of because at the time when we went to Carleton, it was not exactly the most revered school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just saying the name would have made someone laugh. Uh, I think I've heard "Cartoon You" being thrown oh, yeah. around. Yeah. So I'm looking at this name, Toronto Metropolitan University. Like they they should have thrown some weird phrases that kids would use to make fun of the school and i i I have one for them this is a freebie for all those uh people in high school that are going to toronto metropolitan university you can call it torment you torment you (laughs) i like it right i'll give you that i'll give you like that's a freebie for you young kids (laughs) have you have you seen the the logo it's essentially kind of like the logo they have right now, which is sort of like a a blue square and a yellow square. And except like it's the, the RU, the old RU yeah, logo. The RU logo. So that's TM in the blue square and the U in the yellow square. That's like slightly um, raised. Um, it looks, uh, yeah, it looks pretty silly. Um, the other thing, Larry, that I find is is even sillier is they are no longer going to call their sports team the Rams. They're going to change that as well. So the oh. reason the reason that they're that they're that they changed the name is because Egerton Ryerson, who was sort of like a big name in education that they named the uh, university uh, uh, after you know, was found, you know, when they kind of like did some reckoning on his past that he was a supporter of the residential school system. And so, you know, it was, it seemed appropriate to, uh, to change the name, 
you know, to someone who did not support that system. Um, and instead of finding somebody else in Toronto that could be honored, um, and you know, there's gotta be some, <laughs> some people or just, like this. or just make up a name. Yeah. <laughs> you just set the, set the bar extremely low with the least offensive name possible, but also the most boring, but they, so they, they also said that they're changing the name, the Rams, which they've been that's, for a that's long time. Me. It yeah, surprised yeah, me too. Surprising. It surprised me too. Now, their their mascot was Eggy the Ram, so obviously named oh, okay. after Egerton Ryerson. You can just change the name of the Ram, but the reason they're changing the Rams is because is because that was because that was uh, Egerton Ryerson's uh, star sign was was like Aries. Aries. Oh, yeah. Really? I know that. Like- and I, I wouldn't have known that. I looked at the tweet and I said, that, like the person who reported that, I said, that's got to be a joke. But this 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 person is like an actual reporter who <laughs> didn't look like it was a joke. <laughs> so so do, do they have a new mascot or are they going to call themselves something equally lame? Well, everybody wants them to be called the Mets. Oh, because again, the, we're lacking in any imagination. It's of just there for you, the Mets. Maybe maybe we'll cut, combine get Bill Cosby to do the commercial for entrance into uh, torment you and called Mets it is maybe no I don't think that's gonna fly <laughs> no they're trying to get away from toxic personalities oh, okay maybe we get pinball get pinball everyone loves pinball right? pinball Clemens would be yeah. yeah why didn't they just name it like Mike Pinball Clemens <laughs> University oh, you can do worse. Totally. Like, call it, call it pinball you. Yeah, pinball you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's let's get on. I'm sure this this story is going to develop. Uh, we'll 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 follow up in another episode to what they call their varsity team. Uh, the next headline, another food related headline in our month long food review <laughs> episode, um, is one another obscure. Uh, fast food place, Taco Bell. Taco Bell is bringing back the Mexican pizza and South Asians are rejoicing. So we had to do a little digging on this. Apparently the South Asian community loves Taco Bell because it was one of the few places that actually had true vegetarian choices. Um, So for that community, it was if they could get a crave fast food, Taco Bell was the fast food. So Reintroducing this pizza was was a huge thing for I guess for that community. But do you remember the uh, taco pizza at all? I don't. Um, I'm looking at the pictures of it in this article, and I think I would order it. it yeah, because <laughs> it's basically just two pieces of kind of deep fried tortilla. Yeah, uh, I guess some type of meat or bean or maybe your choice in the middle. So it's kind of almost like a talk like a burger taco with and then they top the top tortilla with uh cheese some type of sauce looks like sour cream and tomatoes yeah so it's like almost like a seven layer dip if you will with the chips inside it yeah that's what it resembles more than a pizza is like a is like a chips and dip type of uh yeah i I vaguely remember i think i remember them pushing it when they when it first came out kind of like you know, new Coke. I just have this vague memory. I, I, I ate a Taco Bell when I was a kid quite a bit, I think. 
Yeah, there was, uh, a, there was a time when I was really into it. But I love this one part of the story is, despite the name, the Mexican pizza is distinctly American concoction. No such thing exists in true Mexican cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, no no such need to thing. fact check that one. <laughs> no such thing exists in, uh, and then it says it also doesn't really resemble a pizza. <laughs> Exactly. Then why call it a pizza? Why don't you just find some kind of Mexican equivalent? But I guess the Americans I, won't eat it if you don't call it something familiar. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, well, May 19th, Curtis, mark it on your calendar if you can find a Taco Bell. Man, where where is one now? In, in Like in Toronto, there used to be a few of them. There was at least two on Young Street at one there, point in time. There is one at the parking lot is not actually in the mall, but it's in the parking lot of Dufferin Mall. Oh, Dufferin Mall. Or for uh, young younger folks, it might be called uh, Suffering Mall. Uh, <laughs> the Dirty Duff. The um, Dirty Duff. Yeah, you haven't heard that one? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> And works, um, I, I think I, I, I think that it, it works though. And, and and dirt mall, right? I think each generation yeah. has named it its own um, thing. So I think I think our generation probably called it dirt mall. Yeah, I like suffering mall. Suffering mall. Now let me ask you this, Larry. Do you think that it deserves all these all all all, all, all these um, sort of derisive nicknames? Uh, I I don't I don't think it's fair. Like it's not it's not a horrible mall. It's not a great mall. It's just very aged. Yeah, it, it has, hasn't aged well. But you, there's a Walmart there, and there's a EB Games, and you can get kind of everything. It's just very it's very aged. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember the 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 other name. I had not heard this one, and then when someone told me, and and the reason why because I guess. Um, Service Canada used to have a, a very central immigration office there. So people in the neighborhood called it Immigration Station. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that has nothing to do with a mall or <laughs> Dufferin Street? Like, that's completely off. But hey, who am yeah. I to call it? You know, it's what the neighborhood people call it. How would you compare it to some of the Ottawa malls, like Billings Bridge? Obviously, it's bigger, but as far as decor, oh, it'd be it'd be like Billings Bridge. Yeah, right. Like Rideau, Rideau had money behind it; they kept they kept it up. They brought in the big stores. Yeah, but Billings Bridge, it just has that really kind of aged look. Um, no matter what, they try to bring in nice stores, but they just it just doesn't stick. Or even if it does it's still like it doesn't help like mm -hmm. <laughs> you could throw in a whole renfrew in billingsbridge or dufferin mall it still wouldn't change and what about the hazeldean mall oh i don't remember that one it was uh i just remember it was it was, if if you were if you were going there i think you had to go to like Canada, like one of those Western. Oh, okay, okay. I, wait, wait. I think, I, I think, I think you're right. I think I went to. They have, they have theaters there. I think. I think I went to see a movie out there. At the Isolin Mall, yeah, quite possibly. I think so. Yeah, Bay, yeah, Bayshore was the other one that was sort of out that way. 
I don't know. I just remember having to go on several buses just to see a really crummy movie. <laughs> <The time. laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what it would have been. Came out. Uh, remember the movie Singles? Cameron Crowe's Singles. Cameron Crowe. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I, re- I remember it because of the soundtrack. I have. I have yeah. the soundtrack around here somewhere, but I've never actually never seen the movie. Yeah, but I just remember Holland Butt out there but i think probably more for to hear the music in the movie and then i was like oh this movie is it was all right i guess you know it was definitely a launching pad for a lot of young actors and basically gave friends a a platform right like i would think friends kind of took pieces of of the concept of that movie into its show in the end i don't know yeah not the music right, let's, they went with yeah. the rembrandts yeah <laughs> uh oh yeah that's right uh westerberg right paul westerberg is that is that is that who fronted them no well paul westerberg did some songs for the single soundtrack he was the uh he was the replace the replacements oh. is who you're thinking of the remember yes, yes. the rembrandts were, were oh they like, were the ones uh, that they were the ones that did the soundtrack for friends, friends that's yeah. right okay yeah. i'm guy yeah oh my god i'm getting confused it must be the late evening okay <laughs> uh the next headline uh, we move from away from food to something antithesis of food is uh, insects. Taylor Swift was n- the inspiration for the name of a new centimillipede species. So I guess the entomologist that was um, found this millipede or classified this millipede, type of millipede, I think it's like a, a, a twisted claw millipede i guess there's 17 species of this twisted claw and he named this one specific one the swift claw millipede because i guess he's a big fan of taylor swift's music and i think it apparently her music helped him through some rough times i don't know what kind of rough times entomologists have but sure but curtis the story here really is what if he wasn't listening to taylor swift Mm-hmm. And that poor millipede got some other name. Like, for example, maybe he was, um, you know, into Judas Priest. So it could have been called the Judas Claw. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he was into Electric Light Orchestra, ELO. Maybe ELO Claw or Electric Light Claw. Or, if, you know, if he, if he was in the 80s, really liked hard rock in the 80s, maybe Crocus Claw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or Simon and Clawfunkel. strong curtis coming out strong i i thought you were gonna break out a star wars one and call it obi claw kenobi or something (laughs) simon and claw funkle or uh or clawly simon oh good one well he was very into the 70s. He would have been very in the 70s. I'm just glad that there's still people trying to find new types of millipedes out there. Well, uh, you know. Never give up. G- genome, and you say this one's different than these other guys. So, hey, there you go. Yeah. You know, go ahead and name it. Well, so congratulations. But, you know, honestly, I if, even if I do see, like, millipedes are not fun creatures. Like, if I, I'm killing one. I'm killing I'm killing. The, They're the only good in video game form. <laughs> exactly. Uh, back to food, but in a weird food-related newspaper article, World War II grenade found among potatoes at French Fry Factory in New Zealand. So apparently employees of Mr. Chip's factory thought it might have been a muddy potato, 
but it was actually a grenade on the conveyor belt. <laughs> and fortunately, it was not operational. Um, it's funny the 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 um, you know I, I've not heard of a grenade before, but like I guess just when you're digging up potatoes and there's stuff that's in the ground and a lot of stuff kind of looks like potatoes or new potatoes. I remember taking uh, my granddad out to a, um, uh, when I went to visit him in London and we took him out to a, one of those beef eater restaurants and uh, he's just digging into his new potatoes and all of a sudden his fork hits a rock and it was a, ro- it was a, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a rock that was just modeled enough to look like a new potato but that had meant it got dug up it got bagged it got sent to the it got sent to the restaurant it got cooked and it wasn't until my grandfather tried to eat it that they discovered that it wasn't actually a potato could you imagine if the grenade had made that same journey wound up on somebody's plate at a beef eaters <laughs> well Lucky for the grenade, it was not active. They did call in the bomb squad, but yeah, no, totally. When when you're trying to enjoy your uh, little fillet, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe tenderloin, yeah, he was or porterhouse like, if you're feeling super hungry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you could all, off, often have a, a nice uh, porterhouse with a baked potato. Yeah, and all all of, all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, why is there a pin in my potato? I better pull so, it out. So in a in a moaning, groaning part of the story to end the story, uh, the uh, person uh, who worked at the factory uh, was quoted, "Don't worry, the spud was a dud, but maybe they can we can still use this throwback to the '90s marketing campaign. Our potatoes are the bomb." Oh, oh man. Okay, and the final news story, uh, kind of circling back with Elon. Apparently, when Elon bought Twitter for crazy forty plus billion dollars, a new digital currency came out of nowhere. Curtis, it's actually called this cryptocurrency is actually called Elon buys Twitter. Apparently, jumps six thousand percent. So this is one of those uh, was it pump and dump scams? Is that what they mm-hmm. call it? Call it. Pump and dump, yeah. I, I can only imagine that one pops up every day. I mean, they're not even trying to name them anything anymore. It's literally called Elon buys Twitter coin. EBT. EBT. Yeah. Ridiculous. So, so what other coin would be a, a bad choice of name? I think we, we talked about it earlier, like the Cosby coin would probably be a bad Maybe sw- yeah. go back to Taylor Swift, do the Swift coin. Maybe give her a, uh, a cryptocurrency. I like Swift coin. Like yeah. I would, I, I might be fooled into buying Swift coin. It sounds kind of, sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, maybe compared maybe. to Doge coin. The dog coin, but the yeah. thing is, the Doge coin. To be to be fair, that one was actually created as a joke. <laughs> that, that is fair. That people invested into it. He was like, "Stop giving us money." Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, of course, but that's that's the scary thing about Elon owning Twitter is because he was able to manip- manipulate markets with a tweet. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
And 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 that's kind of again going back, man. I think swear. I think he's a super villain. You know, maybe not as, um, maybe not like you were talking about the new Batman because, of course, you know it's been ten minutes, so we need a new Batman reboot mm-hmm. um, with the Riddler as the yes. The so he's, he's no Riddler, right? He's not Riddler uh, supervillain. No, he'd be like a pretty lame supervillain. Like his own, <laughs> his only, his only sort of, um, well, kind of like Lex Luthor, I guess. Uh, not that Lex Luthor is lame. Like Lex Luthor is a good villain, but like his his whole thing is he's rich, right? That would be that would be and, like and, yeah, you know, and high intelligence and high yeah, intelligence. Right? He does have high intelligence, and uh, yeah. but like I just don't think that that like I don't think Elon Musk is savvy enough. Like he can obviously he's he has the he has the uh, resources and the desire to do things like this. But I don't, I don't know. Like he, I think I just think like as far as like villainous schemes go, like I just don't think I just don't think we're looking at sort of like Brainiac or Lex Luthor or or Doctor Doom. Like he'd be, he he'd be at best. I would say he'd be like um, I don't know who's another who's another kind of rich supervillain, but like B B level. Justin Hammer, someone like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say the the comic book Mysterio. Yeah, be- <laughs> you know he has all these great powers, and then he just get, ends up getting caught robbing banks and doing silly things, right? Yeah, yeah, he's about that. He's about that. Not, not the not the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, Mysterio, but definitely mm-hmm. like you know sixties, yeah. almost sixties cartoon Mysterio. Yeah, where they make fun of him <laughs> having a fishbowl head. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening this week. You can catch Curtis and I weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. On the platforms that you can leave a comment or rating, please do. It will help people find our little podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe. Don't want to miss an episode. Curtis, any last words? I killed my first legendary boss in Elden Ring. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. Very good. And, and did, you, did you realize there's there's a new speed run, like killing all the bosses? Yeah. And the fastest time someone's killed all the bosses is eight hours in the game. Yeah, that's that, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> like like I've seen the speed the speed runs to to win it are hilarious, but like yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of bosses, so to kill every boss and yeah, so that that's what the the latest speed run because you're right, people were finding weird exploits that warped you quickly and blah blah blah, but then someone just said, okay, forget this. We're talking, you know, cleanly defeat all creatures yeah. or all the yeah. So eight hours, Curtis. By uh by by comparison, I've put it, I put in a hundred hours and. <laughs> about halfway through the game (laughs) well that's good value it is good value it's excellent value i was playing online i hadn't played online yet so i played online uh last night with uh steve Irwin's uh son who i think is uh 11 or 12 uh jack um yeah and uh and 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 there was a couple of bosses who were who, who who that were giving me trouble, and 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 without Jack, I would not, not have beat them. So, so, so thank you, Jack, for so so hats, for hats off to Jack for tolerating my uh, my my mediocre skill and helping me kill some bosses. Oh, 
Oh, Curtis, thank thank you for reminding me. Before we do sign off, so this this is just like the end of uh, the latest Batman, right? There's this epilogue upon epilogue. It's just gonna keeps turn on into going. A, yeah, just keep. It's just a three hour episode. So we actually got something in our mailbag. We did. <laughs> so uh, I will protect the person's name. So we'll just call him the Greek 1972. So he said, I was behind your podcast, so I'm plowing through a bunch of episodes, um, a bunch of them. Mullet Master episode. Curtis broke my heart with his Hamilton 1984 Cops Coliseum Mupp mullet reference. <laughs> so I, I think you angered some Ham- Hamiltonians or Hammer folks or Hamatians. Yeah. <laughs> With your offhanded comment about how the mullet had to be, but I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's an offhanded comment. I think you were saying that people in Hamilton grew the best mullets back in 1985. Hey, look! Hey, look! Find any file photo from Cops Coliseum from that time. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I I, I don't (laughs) think I don't find the you will find well crafted mullets. I will I will not take that bet. Go raps go and just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. Working from home.